honored to not have all of our meetings at Highland. Uh, we're a network. We're a network that serves all of Alameda County, and uh, therefore we wanted to uh, visit our different facilities. So we, we were in uh, Alameda um, this spring, and we're now in San Leandro. Um, room's a little tight. We have a few extra folks here today. Thank you for coming. And uh, I think we'll go right into um, public comment and have some of you speak. So I have about uh, nine speakers. Uh, so I'll just call up the, in this order the first few are uh, Sue Hamrick, Hamrick, sorry I got that wrong, uh, Deb Leonard, uh, oh, John Pearson, and Elaine Davidson to start. Hi, my name is Sue, so it looks like I better ask a minute for every, every inch of my height. I am an outpatient occupational therapist at Fairmont Hospital, one of three hand therapists. One of my fellow hand therapists was on the layoff list. This is a very significant problem because we're not getting patients post-op into our clinic. This, this causes significant problems in their post-op care, often requiring them to have a second surgery. So many of our patients can be seen within three days, and that's not going to happen for these outpatient therapists. It's a significant issue. I can safely say that I can speak with beha on behalf of the orthopedic surgeons whom we serve that losing spaces and, and collect direct client contact care is critical. Your mic is muted, it's my cluster. Losing spaces and direct client care is critical. There was a nice uh, announcement on our website that said we have had a decrease in falls, and I celebrate that. That's fantastic. What's going to happen to that number when we lose LEMs and CNAs and critical personnel on the floor? People are going to get up and get out of bed, and they're going to fall, and they're going to break a hip, they're going to break an arm, they're going to hurt themselves. We can't lose these spots in critical areas. They're way too vital. We're here to serve a very vulnerable population, a unique population that has very specific needs that, that your average Kaiser or Sutter or whatever other patient care doesn't, doesn't have. So these are, this is a particularly vulnerable population that really needs our help. We can't be losing these critical, critical jobs. There are already huge waiting times to get uh, a, the OR turned around to do surgeries. Patients are getting stuck at PACU for several days. They're stuck in the ER for lengthy periods of time. Um, we've even had to shut down our ER on several occasions. Uh, we can't afford these layoffs. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you. Uh, I have uh, Deb Leonard. Deborah Leonard. Um, I've been a certified nurse's assistant at Fairmont Skilled Nursing Facility for about 18 years. At the Board of Trustees, 
at the Board of Trustees and the Board of Supervisors meeting on September the 25th, we delivered our vote of no confidence in the Fairmont Skilled Nursing Facility Administration, and we are asking the Board of Trustees to take action to remove them to ensure that there is no cuts to patients' care and the, and the administration act as an advocate for the patients and for the frontline staff that care for them. Our petition reads, we support the vote of no confidence on Richard Espinoza, Chief Administration Officer of the Fairmont Hospital Skilled Nursing Facility. This is the result of months of frustration, fear, stress, and disrespect. This is the result of months Oh, the registered nurses, LPNs, and CNAs have suffered under the lack of transparent leadership and refusal to respect and follow our MOU. We have been made to feel insecure in our position with this unjust rebid and layoff in violation of our MOU. We need a workplace that's proud, 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 Thank you. Meeting in the needs of our complex patients. We also need a place to work that creates a welcoming and supportive environment. We need effective leadership that will work with us and not against us. Yes. For those reasons, we understand and supported vote of no confidence in Richard Espinoza and the administration of the skilled nursing facility. Hello everybody, I'm John Pearson, I'm AHS Chapter President for SEIU 10 to 1 and I'm a nurse in the Highland ER. Um, I'm here to ask the board to put a pause on the cuts to patient care and the layoffs uh, that your executives are enacting um, starting in about a week. Um, we are already in a situation that is a dire crisis for our patients. We see long waiting times at every step in the process from walking in the door to getting a clinic appointment to getting a bed upstairs if you're admitted from the ER. Um, you heard Deb Leonard uh, talking about a petition. That petition has 90% of our members in the Fairmont nursing home signing uh, a vote of no confidence in CAO Richard Espinoza, who when uh, asked if he would come answer questions about the shift bid that management was, uh, was saying was not a layoff, which actually is a layoff, it's a, a reduction of FTEs from full-time down to part-time. It's a forcing of, a, of our members into unbenefited positions. Uh, he said no. He said, I don't have time to talk to you today. Walked away, and then when he came back, said he'd have to talk to us on another day. That's the kind of attitude that we've gotten from our leadership uh, after bringing to them time and time and time and time again concerns about patient care deep, deep concerns about patients not having the equipment available that they need for their care, not having the staffing available that they need for their care. We're seeing patients wait for days in the ER on a routine basis. We're seeing routine surges, which means that the hospital is so overcrowded that patients can't move from place to place. We're asking that you put a pause on the cuts to patient care. These will not help the situation. They will only make it worse. Um, I'd like to share one other example 
of the faith that we're losing in leadership. We are hearing reports from our members in nursing units that the CEO is coming and attempting to intervene on behalf of particular patients. When someone who's not licensed or certified to care for patients comes and tells folks that take care of patients on a full-time or part-time basis, week in and week out, what they should be doing and who they should prioritize, there's something wrong with our system. All patients should be getting the prior, all patients, all of our patients should be getting priority. I understand that it's tough to balance a budget. I understand that the budget is short, but the budget, however you shuffle it, should meet the needs of our patient for the patients for their care not the other way around. Please put a pause on these layoffs and these cuts to patient care. Thank you. Uh, Elaine? Yeah. Good afternoon. My name is Elaine Davison, and I've been a registered nurse with um, AHO since 2000, which is like 18 years. I loved um, for like 30 years and worked within the community at other um, facilities and here I am again rejoined in the year 2007. I really enjoy working with AHS because of many reasons. Um, as you guys know we serve a very diverse population but not only that the patient that we encountered. I've had patients where I've worked with where they felt like for them the hospital is a five-star hotel, Fremont or Highland, what to say. You know they felt like oh this is a good life press the call like, nurse, I need some juice. Nurse, get me this, get me that. And just to, just the thought of knowing someone in the hospital and this kid has the best experience they've ever had, you know, it really kind of makes me feel like, wow, a lot of these people are so, you know, unfortunate, but that's the population we served and we are so grateful to be a part of the community to give back. On a personal note, um, myself, as a registered nurse, I've been at Fairmont for 10 years, and this has been the worst administration I've ever seen. Yes. Yeah. 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 Surprisingly, um, the managers were eliminated, which makes it so difficult for the staff and the patients. Myself, I remember having an experience where I had to go to my manager in tears. Didn't intend to cry, but I received a very negative um, result from my um, doctor. And I went to her office and I was just going to tell her about it. And one thing she said to me, you stay with me for a very long time, even up to now. I was in tears saying, no, my doctor told me I may have a positive mammogram exam. And they want me to come in for, you know, for the examination. And she says, you're going to be okay. You know, I had a similar incident. And she turned and she pulled the Kleenex and she says, take this. And take as much time as you need. This was at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I know how to do patient care. My shift ends at 3.30. And just to hear her say, take as much time as you need. I'm thinking, wow. I didn't stay till 3.30 and cry all the way. It's okay. She cares about me. And that's why I love working for AHS, the loving, caring environment that we provide to staff and the patients. AHS manager has an appropriate staff listening unit so that they were in balance in creating staffing and overtime problems. Rather than working with our union to address these issues, the workforce we design in the way that follows the MOU 
They forced us to do a rebid that we knew would result in a layoff. The Smith layoff have not followed the MOU from the beginning. HS refused to work with workforce planning when requested by the union when it was clear that the rebid would result in layoff of existing employees. HS forced a rebid that was flawed from the beginning. They wanted to tell us they wanted us to tell them of top three choices and that we would then be assigned to a position by management. Half of us who did not rebid because this would violate our contracts and seniority were also then assigned to new schedule. This even included point two FT positions for the RN, which are SAM's position. No other rebid has ever been done like this before at AHS. 13 of my co-workers will be losing income. Eight will be losing benefits, and many of them have their shift changed. We have filed grievances, delivered petition, and we have held rallies to protest these new assignments and ask AHS to go through workforce planning and follow the MOU. AHS has refused to do that. Um, you're quite over time. Are you almost done? Because <laughs> we have several other people. But Just to wrap it up. Thank you. We have done everything we can to try to resolve this in other levels. Now we need to take action today to stop this unfair layoff at AHS. They will be um, instituting the new schedule on October 7th. We need you to stop this right now before it impacts our patients and our new and, and co-workers. Thank you, and I apologize for the night. Uh, Andrea Thomas and then uh, Martha Harrison, uh, Lori Mandel, uh, let's see, and then um, John Greer, Greer, Don Hogue, We'll, we'll stop there. Two more. Please do try to keep your comments to under three minutes. We have a lot of people with a lot to cover tonight, so please be respectful of the time. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Also, if any of you parked illegally where you're blocking something, um, it's you need to move your cars now. Um, it's a part of the. They're, they're blocking other cars and they're going to be towed if they're not moved. So if any of you who are parked illegally are on the list to speak, we will hold your card. But I suggest you move your car now. So. Um, hi, my name is Andrea Thomas. And I would like to address this email that was sent out to the employees in the Smith unit. It's based on retaliation, bullying, inaccurate information, staff splitting, this needs to stop. We can't have an organization that says you work patient care and you have to split the staff, and the patients know it. The patients feel it. So can we put a stop to this? Put a stop to layoffs, put a stop to all the craziness that's going on, and please, put a stop to this. Retaliation is no place for a workplace. At all, management should not be retaliating against their employees. Thank you. Thank you. 
I thought, well, anyway, so my name is Martha Harrison. I'm one of the RNs at San Leandro Emergency Room here on campus. I want to say, first of all, this is my second home. I, I come here, I'm, I live in Alabama, I come out here, and I work because I care about this hospital. In the response to the cutting on course staffing from five nurses to four nurses, it's, it's very unfair. We, we try our best, and I work night shift, so we have no extra liaisons to, to interfere and come and help us. And no one will come in. We can call them at 2 in the morning. We'll call somebody. Oh, can you come in? No, they don't answer their phone at 2 in the morning. Nobody answers their phone. I'm just telling you that with our clientele and with flu season coming on, this changes is going to hurt not only the nurses, not only your patients, but your whole community. Because everybody's going to be waiting a lot longer. We only have a certain amount of beds upstairs because of the construction. So guess what? They get held in the ER. If they're ICU, we have had as many as eight patients held, with three of them being ventilated. That is very tough. And you've got people that walk in out to the lobby, and they are irate by the time they get back there to us. So of course we have left without being seen for minor injuries. Please. Please give us at least to the first of the year to get a grip on this and let's reevaluate after the first of the year. I don't want my co-workers' jobs to be cut and we want to get, provide wonderful patient care with wonderful outcomes, not sentinel events. Thank you. Uh, yeah. uh, Martha Harrison? Yeah. Oh, oh, no, I'm so sorry. I'm before my Lori Mandel. Sorry about that. I'm Lori Mandel. I work in the ED here at San Leandro. I'm also here to speak to the core staff cut that's happening. Um, not only is it, Martha mentioned, it's unfair, it's very unsafe we have. We start off the day with four unattended beds and no mechanism for staffing those beds. We're told we'll call in staff, but the patients in the ER, the patients are in the bed before you can call anybody. And the floors in the ICU can say, hold the patient in the ER, we don't have enough staff. We don't have that luxury. So um, they're also, um, it doesn't leave us, it leaves fewer nurses to accept all the patients that come in by ambulance and triage. So the nurses who are left there are getting patients in double time, basically. And it doesn't leave any time to do things like <clears throat> prepare the ER to, to stock, to make sure you have all of your emergency equipment available. Uh, so there's nobody doing that. Uh, it's, it's a very unsafe environment. It's not, um, this is not a place I would want a loved one to come to in an emergency. That's where I am right now. Thank you. Hello everyone, it's a privilege to be here. My name is John Greer. I'm a registered nurse. I commute from just west of Nashville, Tennessee. I commute out here because 
my state is very unsafe to practice. There are no ratios. You can have eight to 12 patients at any given time. It's very unsafe. Guess what? I won't even get healthcare there. I get it out here in California. Same way with my family. If they can get on a plane and get out here, that's where they're gonna get it because it's safer. Or it has been. It may not be. So we're gonna trend. Is that the idea? We're gonna trend. We wanna trend towards unsafe care. Is that what is that where we want to go? So let's just say it's your family member. Forget about budgeting. Alright, we're gonna focus on it being your family member that comes into this hospital and the nurse can't even get a, a normal set of vital signs within a couple of minutes because the equipment's not working. Or better yet, there's no no supplies to do a blood sugar with. Let me go find the right supplies. Oh, we got a QC now. We're making a mountain out of a molehill. We don't have anybody to stop. We don't have anybody to relieve for breaks. You wonder why your budget's out of whack. But nurses are having to stay and do their charting because we're flipping beds so fast. Well, still, let's focus on it being your health care or your family member that comes in here. Hmm. We just open ourselves up for all kinds of risks because there's not enough staffing. So if we got all these left, behind, left without being seen, let's go to the letter real quick. Left without being seen. Well, let's just hire some nurse practitioners or some PAs so we can get them seen and they write orders for an IV. What's the triage nurse supposed to do? Put an IV in them and stick them in the lobby? Is that the idea? Unmonitor? So that way we can charge for an MSE? No, it don't work. Sorry. It's unsafe. We just now got some second here for security so that people were wanted because knives and guns were showing up. The main thing I want to stress with you is it's not about money. This is not General Motors. This is not Tesla. This is not Facebook. These are people's lives we're talking about. Is it going to take your family member to die? in one of our facilities before you finally realize what's important. We didn't become nurses so we can get bullied or pushed around. We became nurses because we have caring hearts and we want to give and we, want, and we love what we do. That's all I have. Thank you. We've got uh, Don Hood. Lisa Lafave and uh, Jeanette Steiger. All right, thank you to the AHS leadership and also the Board of Trustees. I'm going to use ADIT. We're supposed to use it when we greet each of our patients. I'm an occupational therapist. Uh, since all of you are dressed today, I assume that you're all capable of it. I don't mean to talk down about it, but a lot of people don't know what a, an occupational therapist does. One of the things that we are tasked with is to help get people back home safely and to make sure that they're able to do a lot of the functional tasks that they need to do to go on with their lives, doing activities that they normally would do on a day-to-day -day basis. This last layoff notice came out. We had two of our occupational therapists who were on that list were really concerned because they were looking at, at trying to control costs, I, I assume, uh, so reduce the number of people who are 
uh, on payroll, so you would want to reduce that cost. But we've got two of the people, including one of our hand therapists who works with people that, who come out of our hospital, a lot of times right out of uh, surgery, and we want to get them out and back, back to productive member of society. Keep them out of the ER. Keep them out of the hospital for extended stays. Um, we're also tasked with getting people approved to get into rehab or into a SNF. We need two of three disciplines to be able to see each of their patients to be able to approve them to rehab. I work in Fairmont, the rehab hospital. We see our patients for 90 minutes a day for the, the types of, of things that we need to do. We're the ones that we need for the throughput. In addition, we've got some uh, LVNs, I believe, that were on the list as well. We need them too. This morning, our, our census was a 25. We're pegged right there. Within the last four months, 21 times, there was a red surge notice from the ER, which means that they weren't able to get people through the ER. They weren't able to get people into the hospital, into a bed. OTs can help. The LVNs can help, too, for, for patient safety. Some of the CNAs can help here, too. Patient safety. If we can reduce the length of stay, get them out into the community safely, then we'll be doing a greater service to our patient population, which I believe when, when you came, I was impressed with your presentation about getting some capitated care and being able to see people on, on an ongoing basis. My wife works for Kaiser, very familiar with that. It does work. It does require a lot of personnel, especially up front. But I do ask the board, as you're considering to cut back here, Hold on a second, take a look at what you're cutting, because it may not be what you think. We're the ones who are helping get the patients out, can help clear out the, the ED. We can help clear out the, the rooms in the, in the hospital to get them into rehab, get them back out in, into their homes with their families as, as they want to be. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Hello, um, my name's Lisa Lefebvre. I've worked at this hospital for going on 27 years. I would beg you all to listen to the professionals at the bedside. This is our wheelhouse. This is our bailiwick. This is what we do. This is what we know. From the executive board to the board of trustees, I'm sure you're very competent and effective at what you do. But if this were to continue, I would have quite a bit of doubt. We do not fight to save San Leandro Hospital for this to happen. Particularly the cut in the ER. That's our doorway to the hospital. With the staffing as it is, the staff can barely cope and are overrun. I have even heard rumor that it was said when uh, staff stringently opposed the cut to the core staffing level, they were told, well, you don't plan for what you don't know. I find that line of reasoning astonishing. It belies the very nature of what an emergency room is for. People do not plan their emergencies. And they certainly don't call up and let us know that at Wednesday at 1 o'clock, I'm going to be coming in with a heart attack. Would you please make a bed ready for me? This is beyond belief. I, I, I need to take a deep breath and calm down. That line of reasoning tells me 
people don't know what they're doing. They don't know what we do. They don't know the stresses and how pushed to the wall we all are here. We had one of our dearest members literally drop dead from a heart attack in the middle of our emergency room. What more do you want from us? We're here to serve this community. We want to serve this community. I and many, many others like me have been here for 10, 20, 15, 30, 40 years, and we want to stay. Give us the tools to do that. Again, we are not GM. We are not, as my friend said, Tesla. We're in the business of healthcare. One of the worst things, in my opinion, that ever happened were all the little MBAs that came in and said, we're going to run hospitals like a business. We're not that kind of a business. Yes, we do need fiscal responsibility. We do want and earn a paycheck. I understand that. But to make these kind of draconian, austere, and dangerous cuts sets us all up. It sets our licenses up. It sets us up for sentinel events, as Martha mentioned. And it certainly sets us up for very poor care. Our press gangy scores are in the toilet. Please, ladies and gentlemen, connect the dots. We're not here to have press gaming scores in the toilet. Give us the tools we need. I cannot tell you how many broken monitors, uh, AccuCheck's that don't work, the AccuDose machine jams up, uh, gurneys that, that don't work. Give us the tools, give us the staffing, and I promise you we will do the very best we can and have always done to give care. Thank you very much. Thank you. Are we at Seanette Steiger? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. To the Board of Trustees, my name is Seanette Steiger. I am a registered nurse. I have a master's degree in science. I have a bachelor's degree in nursing and science. I'm a PHN and I'm a credentialed school nurse. I left San Francisco General Hospital Labor and Delivery as a high-risk labor and delivery nurse, recently to join Highland Hospital, three blocks from my home. What a commute, right? Unfortunately, I do have a chronic medical disability. It's called degenerative disc disease. Anyone familiar with arthritis? It comes along unexpectedly at times. I was taken off work. Let me backtrack. I joined Highland Hospital happily as a comprehensive, clinically experienced nurse October 13th of 2017 and started to have more medical issues in January. I attempted with medical authorization, modified duty, was taken off work by my doctor. I love providing care to our community. La cosa también es poder comunicar con los pacientes suficiente bien. Sí, de verdad? Sí. Sí. I love giving, rendering high quality nursing care to high risk patients. 
I was ready to come back to work knowing that Heidelman desperately needs nurses. My doctor released me to return to work August 13th. Just recently, I received an unexpected letter saying you have been released from Alameda Health System. Good luck and best wishes on August 10th. Community is in desperate need of quality care. Here you have an experienced nurse of 27 years who's bilingual, multi-talented, eager to get back to work. I may not be able to run as fast as I did when I was 25, but I'm still multi-talented, a nursing professional, like all of these people before you, willing to work. These are the type of arbitrary cuts and layoffs that are backhanded that impede the community of which we serve. We're here to serve. I'm here to serve. This release, quote-unquote, has been very traumatic to my family, to my children, as we no longer have health care as a health care provider. I'd like for you to consider with your management, your administrators, your business executives are doing to the population in which you serve. Not only to the population, but to the employees that render the service is not just about capital gain. It's about people and healing lives. Thank you. Thank you. I think that's it for now for a public comment. I, I really do thank all of you for coming, and we are hearing you. I, I, I assure you that this is not Tesla. We understand our mission is to serve all. Um, everyone on this board is a volunteer and, and chose to be here um, because we believe in the mission of public health access to public health care. And so um, even in times of, of uh, a difficult budget, um, and difficult decisions. Uh, it, I, I hope that you don't um, question uh, the intention. Uh, it's, it's not arbitrary or capricious. Um, it's really um, done as thoughtfully as possible, and we will make mistakes along the way, but your voice is heard, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to come out today and speak with us all. Thank you. Um, this is public comment, and I'm not allowed by the Brown Act to discuss this in open session, um, but know that we are talking with management about the process, and, and um, they're being very responsive to, to looking into every matter that's been raised. I'm late yeah. coming, and I just want to speak, because I've been working with four workers, I've been working with Downey County since I was a yeah. and I do my job for my part, but when I see my co-workers cry and upset and can't, and then he is crying and upset, not knowing how they're, I got a big mouth. <laughs> I get very upset when my co-workers are upset and crying and can't sleep at night, and their children are crying and upset and don't know how they're going to live and how their mom is going to make it. You know, we take our jobs to our heart. We work with diseases, we work with everything, and we do whatever it is to keep our patients. But if we don't have any patients, then nobody in this room have a job. And we do this job from our heart. Not from our pockets, but from our heart. So I want you guys to hear us and hear us, please, because we do have families that rely on us as well. Rent is expensive, 
Mortgages are expensive, food, gas, everything. But we do it because we love what we do, and that's our jobs. Thank you. Um, uh, I'm sorry, we're, we're done with public comment. I, I really have to cut it off at this point. I'm so sorry. People had ample time to sign up and speak. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I really, uh, if I allow everyone here to say what they have to say, we will not be able to protect our business. I doubt that. Um, but I, I really do. Um, I, I'm sorry. We're going to move on with the agenda at this point. Thank you, though, for coming. I'm sorry, really. I, I'm going to move on now. Uh, All right, so I guess we're on to our medical staff reports. Uh, Dr. Hearn, going up first? Uh, sure. Great. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, on to the uh, medical staff report uh, for Highland Hospital, John George, Fairmont Hospital, and the Ambulatory Wellness Clinics. Um, at our uh, at QPSC, we had a number of credentials uh, that came through. 13 initial appointments, five temporary privileges, a number of reappointments, 27, some proctoring activities, and some voluntary resignations. Um, in addition, we've been working on clinical privileges uh, on the multi-facility level, both at uh, for general surgery and for podiatry. In addition, we've also been working on medical staff application work for new temporary privilege processing. Um, from the larger board, I think that the more pressing uh, comments uh, have to do perhaps more with our search process. We spent a lot of time at QPSC talking about our search process and throughput. Uh, there are a number of concerns that our reinvigorated throughput committee are going to address. It, it now meets um, every other week, and we're looking forward to some modifications of that process in order to, again, affect our throughput issues. Uh, we've been discussing patient flow on a regular basis. Uh, we also listened um, in our most recent meeting to the acute care SBU pillars. Um, we had a wonderful report from the GME programs about uh, our uh, education programs um, at AHS. There are 150 interns and residents based out of Highland, um, and uh, we had a recent uh, ACGME site visit for the clinical learning environment focusing on patient safety, quality, transitions of care, supervision, well-being, and professionalism. Um, in addition, we're very actively engaged in the electronic health record process. Um, in fact, just now there was another physician advisory committee meeting that was double booked at this uh, at this very hour, and I believe Dr. English is uh, is on his way um, after that meeting. But the medical staffs are uh, committed to that process um, as we uh, see the long-term vision um, and benefit therein. In addition, we have some minor revisions to our bylaws. We had a wonderful uh, report from our pathology and lab medicine uh, uh, department. Dr. Valerie Ng has done a wonderful job leading uh, leading the department, really at a system level, um, to discuss uh, you know her ongoing uh, quality, patient experience, and performance metrics. Um, and finally, a quick word that our wellness program that was uh, that has been launched. Um, is, uh, is doing remarkably well. We have a half-time FTE position uh, that is a uh, wellness counselor, and that was launched at the beginning of August. Um, and so far, there's been an, uh, a wonderful response. Um, and in fact, we thought that most of the responses would actually, people going to see the wellness counselor would be mostly interns and second-year residents, but in fact, it's been an over the entire spectrum, and over a third of the visits have actually been at the faculty attending level. 
which is a little surprising, um, but it also just means that wellness and burnout are issues. We had a, a, a nice article in the QPSC uh, session today about how wellness um, and decreasing burnout leads to decreased medical errors, increased patient satisfaction, increased quality, um, and just to reinvigorate the, the, the topic that the, uh, that that spending for wellness and burnout actually furthers our long-term goals in terms of decreasing um, patient harm, increasing patient satisfaction, um, and uh, so just reinforce that, that notion. So um, that is the end of my, uh, my report to the board trustees. Any questions? Trustees, any questions? All right, thank you. Thank Great. you. Thank you very much. Dr. Shu, you're up. Dr. Mallory, you go first. Okay, that's fine. Uh, thank you. Uh, good evening, uh, trustees. Uh, in addition to what Dr. Hurd said uh, regarding um, the discussions at QPSC, uh, there's uh, Medical staff at uh, Alameda discussed uh, improving um, patient throughput through the transfer center um, in order to facilitate safer transfer for patients to Alameda Hospital and uh, patients from Alameda to Highland. Um, we also had some discussions uh, regarding um, the recent reduction in radiology services at the Alameda Hospital, which was discussed in at QPSC. Um, also, uh, ongoing discussions with um, uh, Dr. Jamaldeen regarding um, uh, specialty coverage with the GI and neurology services at Alameda. Um, recently we had a good engagement with our uh, associate CMO. We're trying to um, have arrange for a more scheduled uh, bi-monthly meeting with uh, medical staff leadership to address our more day-to-day -day, uh, workload issues arising from our hospital. Thank you. Trustees, any questions for Alameda? No? We discussed a lot of Oh, you did? Okay. I, 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 guess, I should have guessed that. So, um, <laughs> Dr. Shu, do you want to finish it? Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, we, um, um, the main um, happening over the past month uh, was the, uh, uh, through the Joint Commission Survey, we had a very successful Joint Commission Survey. And uh, and uh, Trustee Benerji was actually there in the uh, leadership section and uh, helped us out. And uh, we had some findings, but those findings will be addressed by the medical staff leadership. And shortly after the uh, commission, we also had a California uh, Department of Public Health for acute care uh, relicensing. And we also had a very good survey as well. And uh, it was originally scheduled for uh, three days, and they, they by, by the end of the uh, second day, they know we run a top-shaped hospital, and uh, the survey was uh, terminated early. There were some findings that will also be addressed by the uh, medical staff and nursing uh, leadership. And uh, other uh, things, sending uh, uh, to the hospital, we had a provider form uh, with uh, the chief medical officer. And uh, we have a very good dialogue concerning uh, the vision for AHS and also uh, the role of San Diego Hospital. And we also talk quite a bit about the upcoming uh, EHR uh, transformation and the community uh, physician will uh, 
confirm uh, how they're going to fit in this whole picture, uh, whether or not they are able to uh, be integrated into uh, the, uh, the EHR and able to access the record. And um, that's um, my report. All right, thank you so much. And I assume everyone was here at QPSC except me, so there's no further questions. Oh, Gary, I guess you weren't here earlier, right? Oh, you I do have a check question. Um, for the medical staff, I wonder if you might be able to address the um, concern about meeting patient and nurse ratios. California has very strict regulations regarding this. Do we have a compliance problem? Well, I mean, uh, so far, uh, at this point, um, you know, uh, <coughs> what happens a lot of time is that they, if they don't have the staff to take care of the, uh, to meet the ratio, they would uh, close down certain beds. They, you know, we have 14, bed, 14 beds in, the at, in our EP. They will close down, you know, 14, uh, 12, 10, 11. So just keep the uh, compliance and we're state compliance. And compliance. And what happens is that uh, the, we get limited bed and uh, we cannot put on. So it kind of is uh, us wrong. I mean, patients are not being come back, brought back due to a missing ratio. Uh, again, when they are in the waiting room, there's no ratio at all. Right. So, the compliance uh, issue is only for patients who have been assessed and assigned to nurses. Mm -hmm. Patients who are in the lobby do not count for those ratios. Um, so it's the irony, of course, is that when I'm working in the emergency department, all of those patients in the lobby are actually my responsibility, right. but it does not fall on any nursing ratio compliance issue. So the patients who are in the emergency department are, are we're actually are in compliance. But as Joel said, I mean, if we close down our ortho rooms and we close down our fast track early because we don't have staffing for it, it just means that more patients are, in fact, in the lobby, which are my and ultimately all of our legal responsibilities. But it's not a nursing compliance issue. So how would we track that? How would we know? What metric tells us that, that the number of patients waiting to get in access-wise is increasing because of the ratio issue? The waiting time, uh, we track, we do track the waiting time, we do track uh, the, how long does it take for the patient to see a provider, and we also track the food time. You know, if they if they shut down one, one third of the ED, the food time will increase. Uh, so uh, that's one way of tracking. Yeah, those are actually those are required tracking numbers that we all, that they, that have to be tracked. But yeah, as soon as the patient gets triaged, well, it's interesting. The clock starts before they come through the front door, but basically the clock starts once they're triaged, so depending on that line. But they get triaged and they get sent back to the lobby to wait for a bed. And so that so that clock is ticking, um, but that patient hasn't seen a provider eventually, or um, their overall stay is um, And how is that trending? How is it trending? I mean, overall, overall length of stay is increasing, um, both for patients who are admitted and patients who are discharged from the emergency department. Um, our total, as we had said a little bit in QPSC, our total volume in the ED is down a bit, but our overall occupancy rate or length of stay has increased across the board. It's seasonal, too. Uh, I guess the, we, can, we can trim it from year to year uh, according to the time of the year. 
and uh, and that's why it's also based on uh, the number. And uh, so far this this year, well, the number has down from last year. So as far as San Andreas are concerned, uh, our um, time uh, our time metric has stayed steady. We haven't seen an increase in that time. I mean, we see volume going down. Yes, time is consistent. That's, that's the question. So I, I thank you. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I know I did. Well, as long as uh, I, would, I would ask, though, that um, I, there's a deeper reason for this. Uh, you know, as um, family members become more um, concerned about their place in the in the system here, I notice that uh, the environment becomes charged, and people say things that are pretty powerful. Uh, compliance, to me, is. Uh, as a trustee, is extremely that's part of my due diligence, uh, and when I hear those sorts of things, it's really important to me. So I would uh, suggest that we need to um, have a little more transparency around this. Uh, and as a trustee, I would ask that uh, we consider we have a couple of trust trustees coming on that we consider asking staff um, to do some orientation around these bedrock compliance issues, so that we have a context in which to understand these things. And I appreciate the context you just gave me. Thank you. I, I think I agree, and I think that um, compliance is absolutely one of our responsibilities as trustees. I think that we, we, that is a QPSC issue. Uh, I think also tracking um, patients uh, who, who leave without being seen is, is something that we do as well. Um, I just don't know that we... Uh, I don't know that the board tracks it on a regular basis. I think. I, I mean, it, I think. Are you asking for some sort of regular agenda item on this? Or are you asking for? I mean, here's, here's let me try again if I might. No, it's fine. I, and I, get, I get. So we all share the, the due diligence around finance, right? Mm -hmm. And finance is very complex in an organization like this. So there's a quite a bit of conversation in committee that comes to the full board in order to understand. Uh, the financial condition and the decisions that we have to make uh, within that context. And I would say, um, I'll just own this for myself, the medical side of this uh, around compliance is uh, even more complex than the finance side. So I'm just saying, I'm not alluding to, I, I don't think we have a big crisis here, but as um, members of the team, uh, start to say things publicly, I, I think we need to up our game in terms of understanding mm -hmm. the context, the boundaries, and I know that these are not simple things. You do X and, you know, you have a, a law and you follow it this way, your, uh, your explanation is very helpful in terms of giving me some, some sense of the com complexity of it. I just think as we go forward, if we're going to continue to have uh, <coughs> comments like this, I, mean, I, I need some context to understand where we stand. I think that's one of the reasons why we had of the nine board members, seven served on the QPSC, because we all felt it was so vital for us to be part of this and to hear the, besides the operations and the finance that happens in the full board meeting that we understand it from the board side and the clinical perspective as well. So I would suggest that, you know, um, if people can come to QPSC more often because this is really where we've been having a lot of substantive discussions about that. So that's also uh, an issue and also 
and also to bring it to the full board uh, on a regular basis. Thank you. So, oh, Doctor, yeah. just uh, a quick comment. Uh, thank you, Trustee uh, Shikwan. We report uh, on a quarterly basis our acute SPU, and it's part of our public requirement to report ED flow. So we will be reporting this, and uh, we're working also on having, uh, in terms of transparency related to quality, a website where we have uh, this available publicly to all our quality metrics. Thank you. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> no, actually, I think that we're, we're in San Leandro. Dr. Schumer represents the, the chief of staff for San Leandro. We had several uh, speakers here today who work here in San Leandro, so I think it's uh, I think it's a totally legitimate uh, conversation to have when we hear that uh, ratios are off, or patients are leaving, or, or, or patients aren't finding beds. I think it's it's important, and so um, we, we do track some of this. I don't know that we track it. On our, on our dashboard to the to the depth maybe that, that you're looking for and, and maybe in QPSC you need to it's not it's not a standing item uh, and, and and so I'll um, uh, that, that we uh, approved in July 13 tree north metrics and right. none of those are, are particular so those are the master dashboard items each SBU has the opportunity to bring up specific stuff the QPSC can help to work with them to have more drill down data. And it's about picking the right numbers, is what I'd say. But we've chosen 13, which I think are appropriate, and the QPSC has approved unanimously, which were proposed by our, our administrative colleagues. So, uh, yeah, there are, there are always a million questions, and about finding the right pieces of data to answer that question. Work in progress. All right. Thank you. Um, so for on to item B, um, the board president report, um, I just, uh, one quick item we have uh, waiting in the wings, two new trustees, uh, Ross Peterson, I believe, is still here in the back, if you want to kind of wave your hand. Ross is scheduled to be approved by the Board of Supervisors at this Tuesday's uh, Board of Supervisors meeting. Um, so we will be able to make our retreat, and I believe uh, Dr. Noha Aboleta is uh, also in the wings, and I know she's not here today, um, but she is um, also an exciting new addition that we're looking forward to, and both of them will be seated, and we'll get to sit here in the hot seat right with us uh, for our next meeting. Uh, so welcome aboard, almost. Um, that's, I think, all I have to report. So um, we'll just jump right to uh, our CEO report. Okay, we've got some food. Good evening, trustees. Um, great to see you all, as always. Um, I have a presentation which we provided for you in the board book. Um, in the interest of time and knowing that you have a full, um, uh, pretty heavy uh, closed session, where uh, I'm going to skip through it. And I will confess now that there's a part of this that um, I didn't include, but it's not something that you needed to study. Uh, we did it on purpose because it's a little bit of a um, expose, and you'll see what I'm talking about when I get there. So um, let's see. Is this working? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it doesn't look like it. Let's see. No. 
that's, that helps. I have to turn it on. <laughs> just let me stop. It's a pro time, yeah. Making mistake. Uh, so yeah, so the dashboards are um, and the update is as usual, just a, a glance at the dashboard. Uh, you notice this month it is uh, closing out the last fiscal year, uh, which we always do after our August recess. Uh, later in the agenda, we show you the new dashboard that was a culmination of all the different uh, committee activities to uh, populate the new metrics, some of which are continuations of existing metrics, uh, some of which are uh, establishments of, of new metrics. So uh, looking forward to sharing that with you. Uh, system updates, just two uh, main ones, primary care rollout, and, and that we have another clinic on the primary care capitation and a CIO, and then a, a standard epic update. So as usual, uh, I, don't, I, I don't want to belabor by walking through the entire dashboard. What I'll say is global context and then uh, open for any questions you have is uh, this is the wrap out for the year. We have 25 um, um, uh, metrics that we are, are indicators and then uh, metrics that we had for those indicators over the year. Uh, we achieved or exceeded the goal on 15 of the 25 of, uh, objectives. And of the 10 that we did not meet the performance goal, six of them we had improved performance from the prior year baseline. So uh, while we certainly want to set high, uh, bar or high, high bars and high targets for what we, um, um, uh, we set out to achieve as an organization, um, uh, I don't view not meeting all of our goals as uh, a, a, a um, failure by any stretch of the imagination, these are all pretty audacious goals. Uh, and so to the extent that we made um, improvement and we, on the majority of them, actually exceeded our target, I think that is uh, laudable. As you know, as we were sort of talking about with the rest of the uh, metrics that we have here, these are but a, a, a subset of the entire list of goals and uh, metrics and indicators that we track as an organization throughout our different business units. So there, this, this is but a um, small reflection of how we are uh, performing in continue to advance as an organization. I will say that I will borrow the words of one of the trustees uh, in our joint meeting, there's a mixed bag, I think, overall. And so while we want to be exceptional at everything, uh, we know that we have bandwidth, and so we, we aim to improve as an organization overall. Uh, any questions about any of the indicators or any of the uh, performance uh, uh, measures that we have here? Okay. Alright, uh, moving right along, as I mentioned, primary care capitation, so uh, you recall part of our uh, waiver required us to move towards uh, um, increasing uh, alternate payment methodologies. Uh, we chose to do primary care capitation across our, our four wellness centers and doing that in a phased rollout. In the last fiscal year, Newark was the only site that we brought live, kind of our toe into the water, our smallest in terms of uh, overall patient population and a little bit more contained because of its geographic location. Uh, we have uh, uh, successfully moved forward with that and they're doing a great job and, and as of August our East Month site which is uh, roughly about 13,000 patients are also now live on primary care capitation and as you see we are planning to do Hayward and uh, uh, I'm sorry yeah Hayward and Highland as the rest of the year progresses um, this is an estimate because the numbers change as people enroll and disenroll in uh, the Alliance and are assigned and, and uh, choose a different primary care provider uh, uh, for AHS um, um, but by the end of this we expect there will be approximately about 55 to 57,000 patients under primary care capitation. And then we go on to look at specialty care opportunities uh, beyond this in further years. Any questions about this? Okay. 
And this is just a FYI, many of you have heard, I shared an announcement earlier, we're very excited after an exhaustive search uh, that we have a new permanent chief information officer, uh, Mark Amy, who is joining the organization at the end of October. He'll be here in time for the board retreat. Uh, so we're excited to have him come on board. Uh, he is coming from UC San Diego, and many of you know that our acting or interim CIO at Bobby Amy was former CIO at UC San Diego. I'm not targeting them. Uh, Ed and Mark didn't even know each other. Uh, Mark was not there when Ed was or left before Mark arrived. Um, uh, we do look uh, more in San Diego for talent. Uh, it just turns out that in this case, uh, both of them happen to come from there. And, and uh, we're just hoping that uh, Mark is, uh, even if he's as happy as good as Ed has been to us, we will, we will really see him. You can't go wrong with San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to take the opportunity uh, to publicly uh, thank Ed for his leadership and uh, his stewardship of our IT infrastructure achievement, which is getting us to um, uh, through the uh, epic contract and well into our, uh, our uh, epic build and go live. And so he's been wonderful. I want to thank you for your leadership. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here. And thank you for all of your hospitality. This is the second home for me now, and I get to go back to San Diego. Thank you so much, Ed. So, are you doing for the Raiders or the Chargers? <laughs> the Chargers left San Diego. I don't like Chargers anymore. Okay. Ed's <laughs> that's, that's daughter, you might recall, one of his daughters is in school here, and so we expect that he won't be a stranger at all. And uh, 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 we expect to continue what we've excited as a wonderful uh, partnership and relationship. Thank you. Uh, so, to that end, just shifting right along, uh, some of you heard this uh, um, uh, two days ago, so I won't I'll go through a lot of detail just to share. We're in the adoption phase where we're building and uh, adopting various components of the EA tribe. It's a very pivotal stage, not that any of them are any less pivotal, but this is a very uh, critical stage because we're actually building the system we're going to be using. So we go through uh, three phases of build, and I'll highlight later, and then the adoptions that come along with that. Um, this is just giving you the usual update. We're about complete. I think we're starting with one employee on the team. Uh, a lot of certifications from the people who are on the team, and as I mentioned, uh, we finished field bucket one and adoption session one. A few, uh, about a week or so ago. Uh, that session included about um, um, 406 attendees going across 60 different sessions. Those sessions are individual sort of modules or applications and making sure that uh, the right subject matter experts are looking at this across our system and giving feedback on that looks right, uh, we, maybe we need to rethink this, that sort of thing. Uh, but uh, uh, all those sessions, those 60 sessions were held at the Creekside location and that's a point of five. Uh, this is um, part of that space in Creekside, which was originally configured in a cubicle space for staff. Uh, we uh, have figured out a way to um, uh, contain the staff in other parts of the space and to reconfigure this space as space where we can do um, uh, these adoption sessions, but training as we move forward uh, with the process project as well. This cuts down on expenses that we have for renting space. It cuts down on commuting costs as people, you know, that we did a lot of our uh, discovery session things is all at uh, uh, Berkeley City College. Wonderful space uh, and it worked really well for us, but uh, we were looking for ways to always be mindful of our costs and be mindful of uh, the more uh, important precious time of all of our staff and providers and stuff. Uh, we not only use this space, which is on the floor that we're on, but uh, this floor below us happens to be vacant, and so we brokered something with the uh, the landlord to be able to use it for training and uh, session spaces too on a minute basis, and that worked out uh, really well for us. Uh, projects on t uh, track, uh, physician builder, uh, the physician advisory council has been staffed, and we have uh, physicians who are resourced to be ongoing uh, uh, clinical leads for the project. 
uh, hardware assessments are, are, are almost done, halfway done, and our monitor upgrades to support the EHR are, are underway right now as well. Uh, this is just repeating kind of and giving you a window into the rest of how the sessions will look. Um, this is the adoption part of those sessions. Uh, and this is another reiteration of what's going next or coming next. Uh, apologies for um, um, skipping through too much here, but I want to be mindful of time. Uh, this is the project status we always give you. Uh, this one is for the month of August. I said most of our recently completed month. This is EPIC's independent cooperation of where we are, and we always look at the green status. Uh, four out of five, they are hard graders. They will not give us a five despite our hard efforts, uh, but we want to keep it um, uh, at the status of knowing that we're doing well and uh, we have work to do. Uh, this is a one of the budget apologies for the smallness uh, of the numbers here in the slide that you have it. But the important thing to point out here is that we are uh, on track and well under budget at, at this point. Uh, that is very important, obviously, for multiple reasons. Uh, while uh, the budget is important for us to get the project done, we want to uh, do it in as cost-effective uh, a manner as possible. And so we're mindful of the resources we have, and we're also mindful of these dollars are, in many cases, dollars we still have to generate for the organization. So we're mindful uh, that we're not spending dollars that are set aside, uh, uh, and that we want to be uh, prudent with those resources. Quick question. Um because we got all this on Tuesday, um, maybe I should ask Ed, is there anything not going well with Epic that we should know about or be prepared for? And you can be honest, you're on your way out. Honesty is the first thing. No, I mean, we, we really are on, on, on target and we're on budget. There are challenges in terms of like this. Yeah, so I, I summarize all of this by saying we're on time, on target, on budget. But, you know, I mean, the, the fact that this is the easy part of implementation of the system, when we get to actually beginning to train people, and then we just discover that we need, we need to have more funding, but that funding will come from the budget that we have now. Uh, the collaboration is terrific. So, uh, wait, I'm sorry, so what you're saying is the savings we have now we might have to apply later because things might cost more than we anticipate. Well, we're not planning on that. What I think is that to the extent that we can do well now, which is kind of the easier part of implementation, when we actually begin to implement, if we discover that we need more training time, mm -hmm. then that may be something that you know, we'll use these funds for. Okay. But I expect that this budget, which is about $200 million, you know, I think I have told it should be to, to, to not spend any more than 160 or 170 uh, once we're done. So that, that, that really should be a good target, mm -hmm. and many other organizations can do that. that. So we have a good budget, um, but in terms of what is not going right, I can't really tell you in all honesty that there's anything that's not going right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would, I would echo that. Uh, I appreciate Ed saying that. I, I would also echo there are always concerns. I don't want to suggest that everything is perfect. I mean, we have uh, challenges sometimes with uh, getting enough notice so that providers can free up their schedule to participate in sessions robustly. Uh, we're constantly trying to have an iterative process to improve that. Uh, even that notwithstanding, it's it's often a challenge. And people have expectations for um, uh, clinics and access, and so they have to make up schedules. So it's not always easy to do. Uh, I think, you know, as we um, um, 
uh, get into the finer depths of this. Sometimes there are needs to revisit decisions and we want to minimize that type of thing uh, to slow down or not slow down the project. But we also don't want to make a decision in haste that we'll come to regret. Uh, so anyway, there are some things that we are constantly working through. And I wouldn't say that everything is peachy keen, but I think that it's as uh, to be expected in any type of process like this. And in that on balance, those things are comparatively less than uh, often what you see in something this robust. Okay. So with that, um, um, the county agreement, uh, I mentioned this at the county board meeting. Uh, of course, uh, you, you all approved the agreement. The Board of Supervisors approved it. We are in compliance uh, as uh, finance would dictate uh, um, in a second. And as we talked with the Finance Committee with the permanent agreement as of uh, July, uh, the end of the last fiscal year, um, uh, we are in discussions and had a meeting scheduled. We need to, um, we have it rescheduled now, but we need to accelerate those conversations around what would be the process by which we will uh, identify and uh, uh, advance uh, capital funding needs uh, for the county-owned facilities and uh, go through that process. In addition to, obviously, there's a piece about how to figure out what dollars from the uh, capital um, cost reimbursement, um, what those amounts are, and how them to get those dollars to the county as well. So, so more work to come, uh, uh, and hopefully we can move through that and not keep it surprised as we, as we proceed. Now, with that, uh, that's in my report. I will say that we, uh, we did uh, decide, I don't know if we've announced this publicly yet, no. um, but um, uh, the Oversight Committee has landed on a go-live date uh, uh, for EPIC for next year, and uh, we will be uh, flexible as, as we need to be. Uh, we hope to not need to be, but um, um, as we get closer to that date. Uh, but um, I think I can say this publicly now, right? Um, And I want you guys to know that we had about, I'm getting old, I can't see this meeting. Okay. So we had about uh, 200 official names that were submitted by staff. 
Um, they were across the board. They range from the sublime to some are very technically focused. Um, the EHR Oversight Committee narrowed those names to five finalists. Okay, um, those finalists were um, put out for a vote. Um, before we tallied the vote officially, the Oversight Committee challenged us to come up with a name that would be representative of sort of the comprehensive purpose and benefits of the program and some of the uh, benefits that we realize from the project in, in terms of serving our, our, our members. So um, we undertook that task, and but we do want to recognize that there were five finalists the gentleman in the middle is not one of the five finalists. <laughs> um, one of the individuals uh, was not able to attend uh, to to uh, to attend the recognition at the, the most recent electronic health steering oversight committee. Uh, however, the the winner of the project was um, to receive a an iPad. Um, so we didn't have a single winner. Um, however in recognition of the creativity and participation of these five finalists, we decided that they all should get an iPad. So, because we have additional money in the EHR budget, uh, we consume that cost. So, um, these are, these are um, the folks who, who are finalists. Um, I will... I have a MacBook. You should have a MacBook. No. Okay. Um, so these were our finalists and we did recognize them. I also want to say that a lot of what they brought forward in terms of the variety of names really went into some of our thinking that um, we utilized to come up with a, a, a final name for, for the project. Are you going to tell us the five? <laughs> no. No, I'm sure you can just I would say I don't, I don't have any money. I don't have any money. Just curious. So, the first thing we thought about was what is the purpose of the name? So, we recognized that it was important for us to focus on the outcomes of the project, not just the features of it. And we also wanted to make sure that the name served as a reminder of our mission and vision. Uh, and so doing, we started thinking about what are some of the benefits we hope to realize from the project. So as you know, with the acquisition and addition of uh, San Leandro Hospital, Alameda Hospital, uh, we continue to look for ways to become more consistent. And um, looking at system-wide focus in terms of how we deliver care and looking at standardization uh, of clinical practices and other things that really help us perform as a system. And the EHR would be integral in making that happen. Access. So with the EHR, we will have lots of access to data that will also allow us to provide greater access to our patients. Promoting population health. Uh, I think second only to the um, EHR project, um, our, our transition to population health is probably one of the most significant uh, endeavors that the organization is currently undertaking. So with um, the EHR system, it will allow us really to identify populations, uh, manage their care, um, really understand and target the outcomes that, are, uh, that they are achieving in terms of how we deliver care. So promoting population health is something that's really important and will really, be, really benefit from the electronic health record system. Huh? 
It will be accessible across the continuum of care, which will help us manage the care of our patients as they um, progress through our, through our system. Resilience. So resilience is a recognition of the fact that we do not get to this point very uh, easily. There's a lot of time and effort put into bringing forward a proposal uh, that uh, gave the board confidence to approve uh, this very important project. Uh, and it's also, I think, the resilience is also meant to remind us that we have to continue to be focused on how we manage the care for vulnerable populations and recognize their needs in terms of how we, we're delivering care on an ongoing basis. If you know what don't say. So I look at equity in two ways. Um, one, it's, it's equity in terms of our ability to have a tool that we can utilize to provide care to our patients that's on par with other tools and other providers uh, in the healthcare industry. Oh. Um, I also look at equity from perspective of when we think about many of the populations that we serve that are challenged in terms of the equity of access to care uh, and also uh, the disparities or outcomes that they, they um, experience in the healthcare system. We want to make sure that equity is front of mind as we um, go about uh, utilizing the system in, in our day-to-day -day care. So, with that, we have a So, Sapphire stands for system-wide access promoting population health integration, resilience, and equity. Wow. Sapphire is also important because it's many sapphire, at least the most preferred sapphire is blue, uh, which is consistent with our, our institutional colors. Um, it is um, also the birthstone for the month of September. That's right. So I'm pleased to know that we are both announcing this in September and we're going to launch in September. So we will be playing Earth, Wind, and Fire at all EHR meetings <laughs> um, to remind people of that. Um, Sapphire is also important because it stands for, I want to make sure I, I, I get this correct, um, as a precious stone, it symbolizes wisdom, which I see as our ability or our willingness to use evidence-based care in terms of taking care of our patients, it's truth. Uh, we want to be true to our mission, transparent in our purpose and our intent of what we do, and it also reflects sincerity. I think that means that uh, we want to be faithful to our mission and genuine, genuine to our values as an organization. So, um, welcome to Sapphire. Um, we can talk a little bit about, I know we're short of time, about some of the next steps we're going to do in terms of uh, integrating the name more fully into the project, but I'll pause there for the sake of time, and if there's any questions or comments, I'll be glad to take them. Love it. 
That's great. I would say pray for governor. Yeah. <laughs> any any questions, board members? No. Thank you, uh, Terry. That was definitely more fun than other parts of the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. There's swag. There's So um, that is the end of the CEO's report. We're under our consent agenda. Um, motion to approve. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 All right, great. So we're beyond that. Uh, so now we're on to our true metric north, or true north metric dashboard. Uh, is this me again? I think it is. Whoops. Wait, is there a slide here? Maybe there isn't a slide. Actually. Oh, there's a slide, yeah. So it's actually in the your packet. So again, we, it's two, the, in the packet, it's, uh, it's offset. Sorry, if you go to... No, 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 pass, pass my slide deck, actually. Going past the policy needs. Just talk. There's two packets in the Approval contracts, revised. Hold on, did I skip one too quickly? Oh, I found it. Nope. Finish. Sorry. 103. 103 sounds right. Yes, yes, yes. That's it. Thank you. So it's actually uh, the back-to-back uh, -back document. So the first one is just uh, a synopsis of the end of the fiscal year, and that's what I just uh, spoke to, so I won't speak to that uh, much more, but it's a, it's a narrative uh, that the leadership team put together, and we highlighted specific indicators uh, to go into a little bit more detail uh, uh, for your, for your uh, consideration. And again, happy to answer questions on any of them, uh, but just wanted to kind of really uh, pro uh, provide an overview and some detail on some components of it. Moving, moving from there on to page 112, actually. Oh, the 119 there? There's the thing about the narrative? Oh, no, 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 I'm going to the next one. So, I'm going to the 119 now. Okay. So, if you're on 112 of, of Vortex, you're, um, uh, this is the new um, uh, dashboard for FY19. So, that was the end of the No, no, no. Yes. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. Oh, the actual document. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Mike. Apologies. Um, so 112 is the narrative. So it really is just um, uh, kind of summarizing the efforts that you started before your recess in QPSC and HR committee and finance committee to identify the new metrics for FY19, some of which are continuations of existing metrics, uh, some of which are reflections of new uh, metrics as a result of um, uh, the, the deliberations of the committee and the considerations of recommendations that we had as well as ones that you brought forward. And so uh, they are summarized in the 
uh, new dashboard uh, that you see on page 119. Uh, so this is a new one, and it's actually reflecting the performance through um, uh, August uh, year-to-date, but also the, the results being uh, July and August because of the time uh, lag and actually producing some of the results. And so uh, what you see is that uh, we're starting a, a mixed bag out of the gate. Uh, it's about half and half of uh, favorable performance uh, in areas of quality and in areas of sustainability, one in access, and then uh, doing well in uh, uh, network and uh, uh, workforce, but also ones where we're not at target, which reflects what we'd expect at the beginning of the year. So um, uh, we have set uh, the, the baselines and the targets based off of those baselines. Uh, Dr. Hussein, I don't see you anymore. Oh, there it is. Um, so if you have any questions about um, the way in which we establish any of the targets here, um, um, he'll be happy to answer them. But I want to uh, just open it up for him if you have any uh, comments you want to make about uh, of this topic. No? Um, no, I think uh, in, uh, in selection process, we make sure um, both enhance uh, transparency and accountability for those metrics and have standard definition. Wait, you can't hear you well, Come on up. Can you hear the mic that we're um, simply to say to facilitate. No, really, grab the mic. So to facilitate uh, transparency and accountability, we were we were really methodical this time in selecting measures for the most part that had clear definitions that were standardized across the nation that can be benchmarked. So we're not left answering the question, how are we doing in comparison to our peers? Um, and so uh, and we try to, uh, so that was an important part of this process, and we have rationales for the way benchmarks were selected, um, and, um, and um, as mentioned, we're going to, uh, these are posted on the internet um, um, and being trickled down to the NECs and the quality safety committees as well. Yeah. Uh, one other final thing I'd, I'd note is you'll see at the bottom where we, we used to have a, a green, red, and yellow, uh, kind of yellow being we're, we're almost there but not quite. Um, we made this sort of accountable uh, 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 decision as a group that you're either there or you aren't, and that just makes it a little bit more uh, uh, straightforward for uh, us to report and manage within the organization and hopefully for you to, uh, to uh, better discern as, as an executive. Or I'm sorry, as a board. So uh, that's why you don't see any mixed bag there at all. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. 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 Um, a, a clarification or actually a definition of um, the network, the experience, the last experience, um, true North standard, which is inpatient behavioral health mean. I think that's inpatient behavioral health mean. Right. You, you want to understand what that, what yeah. that is? Yeah. What, what are you measuring? So it's the patient experience in the behavioral health setting. You'll oh. recall in behavioral health, we don't use age gaps. We right. use a, right. a, a, a standard press gaming tool. And so it's a mean score. OK, so that. that's the score from the Okay. Yeah. And, and to remind the, the board, uh, there is actually a list. Uh, Tanvir's team has put together a list. So on, on, on packet page 121, there's a definition of each other. Oh, of each which I correct, obviously. Yeah. Uh, we have the trend line again because I noticed it's not. You know, that was the, I'm, I'm glad you caught that, actually. We meant to point it out. We, we, 
we thought that it was sort of a mixed bag, uh, that it was in some ways confusing to uh, some of you, so we took it out only because it seemed like it was a distraction, but if you, if it's the will of the board for us to add it back, we'd be happy. I really liked it. I appreciated seeing the trend, so I could see I think it was actually a positive thing for okay. this report to be able to take a look at that. Okay. Is that, as known as we don't have any problem there, we'll, we will, we will read. Um, place the yeah, Okay. Um, and I think that's that's it, unless there are any other questions for us. Any other questions on this, folks? People like it? People feel we got it all? Yes. Right. Either red and green, you know, instead of having yellow in the middle, it's a little yeah. polarizing. You might want to go with red and blue. Red and blue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 to not polarize the red Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Yeah, right. It's all good. It's all good. It has been a long day. All right. Uh, and this is just informational. Are we, do have to, are we approving this? I, no, it's okay. all informational. Okay. We've already approved it in the committee. Oh, that's right. Great. Um, <coughs> what are we on now? Oh, IMF. That's it. Oh, AMF. Sorry, pardon me. There we go. Uh, staff report. Well, those are written, so... Um, Unless board members have questions, we're not hearing those reports right now, right? Okay. Uh, so on to our action items, and at G1 is approval of response to the grand jury report. And yes. Mike, you're on. Yeah, so this is our... Uh, oh, oh, one thing. I'd, I'd like to make note, uh, I am a member of OCARE. I think it's appropriate for me to recuse myself from this dialogue. So I'll step out if someone will call me back when you get to uh, G2. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I was about to say, this is in the packet on the uh, beginning on page 193, there's a cover memo, and uh, on starting on page 195, uh, for the next four or five pages, there's a copy of the uh, draft response. Um, there, uh, you know, just to reiterate, you know, what was in the memo, <coughs> this is a, uh, our obligation is to respond, you know, to the uh, findings of the grand jury, uh, and the recommendation, and so that is what is uh, reflected in the report. Um, and basically, uh, at the July meeting, there was a uh, some closer to the mic. At the July meeting, there was some some discussion um, around uh, content in the response. You know, beyond uh, some trustee concerns, uh, the. Uh, uh, was by uh, the uh, Oak Hill Medical Group, so the, uh, the initial draft of the response uh, was provided to them to provide um, input to us, you know, from their perspective, you know, regarding um, what had been proposed as the response, and um, there were three or four, or excuse me, there were one, two, three, five items in there. Um, and so one of those items uh, incorporated us making a change, which is reflected in footnote five of the uh, response because we had some um, incorrect information there. Uh, oh, excuse me, footnote three. Uh, and then there were a couple of other changes uh, throughout the report that referred to, uh, we made some statements about, you know, OCARE's intentions or agreements that, you know, they had pointed out, you know, were not entirely accurate, so we had removed those. So, um, otherwise, uh, those are the items that were reflected. Uh, we discussed um, the specific responses regarding compliance issues with uh, the audit committee. Uh, there was no additional feedback, so uh, that's all we would 
propose in terms of this, uh, the next steps of this, uh, if approved by the board this evening, we prepare a final draft and get it for your signature, and then it would be forwarded uh, to uh, the grand jury and will be posted on their website along with the report itself. Um, and this is due on October 1st, correct? Well, um, yes and no. Um, it, uh, that is the anticipated submission date. Um, if additional time was required, that could probably be arranged. So uh, I know I think we have some people in the room that want to speak to this item, um, and I have um, I have uh, Dr. Savio. Uh, you've actually filled out a speaker card, but I think there's a few uh, representatives that would like to say a few words, and I I want to be um, respectful of, you know, of public input, and the board might have some questions. But before we get to them, you heard this in audit, correct? Yeah, we. Um there were uh, the couple of extra things that the discoveries that were made were the ones that were discussed in, mm -hmm. um, in audit. Mm -hmm. And then um, we had a brief discussion of just comparing and seeing what was this and what were some of the input that was taken from the statement that um, was developed by the Okay, right. Anything else to add? No, I, I did. I did. <coughs> I think it might be good for uh, council to give us an update on the items that related to commitments we made. Is there, are those implementations starting to happen? Uh, and I, I'm not sure when you say commitments we made. No, it's in terms of formalizing the issue with low care and um, in terms of procedures for use of space and I'm trying to remember that. It, it was made resources. Yes. So there, so there were a couple of items that were that were identified in the areas corrective action. So uh, there there is a process ongoing which is reviewing some of the policies that are related to the findings. So policies related to gifts, uh, expense reimbursement, uh, non monetary compensation of uh, physicians, um, and then expenses related to the uh, graduate medical education program. So um, the review and revision as necessary of those policies is underway. Um, and, you know, I would anticipate that, you know, we would certainly have all of that completed or we'd be ready for uh, submission uh, for approval uh, well before the end of the year. Um, the issues that sort of relate to the findings by the grand jury uh, that relate to their concerns around the alignment between the two physician groups, uh, the discussions, you know, between um, you know, AHP and Oak Care uh, have been ongoing. The uh, the actual frequency of those meetings had increased um, over the course of summer. Uh, there is a uh, proposal that was uh, made by um, Oak Care uh, Medical Group to AHP, which has been you know, sort of the focus or been the basis, you know, for a new context of discussions, you know, which are uh, also ongoing as well too. So. Um, you know, that uh, you know, process is not going to be complete you know, necessarily before we submit the report, but it does continue to be ongoing. So, thank you. Okay. Uh, well, I, I'll call Dr. Savio, and I think we have a couple other doctors that wanted to speak. Yes? We're just together. Oh, you're just together. Uh, okay, fine. Uh, <coughs> please use the mic, yeah. Right. Thank you. Appreciate it. 
Um, so respectfully to the Board of Trustees, appreciate the opportunity to address the public response to the grand jury report. My name is Bob Savio. I'm a pediatrician for about 20 years at AHS and currently the president of Oak Care Medical Group. Well, Oak Care appreciated the opportunity to have reviewed the early draft of this response on August 22nd. Our responses and comments were not incorporated into this current draft, which I just reviewed this morning in the published packet. This draft was, uh, by HS was not reviewed by OCARE as stated. We asked today that this document be retracted so we could weigh in on the final draft. It continues to include factual inaccuracies that need to be corrected. There is a clear error regarding the OCARE signed MOU referred to on page two of the response. If you have the original MOU of record, which states, um, the specific intent as described in the MOU is to begin discussions regarding a joint definition of a more fully unified medical staff and the legal and supporting structure necessary to accomplish unification. At no time did OCARE believe or intend this mean that OCARE physicians would be assimilated into AHP. We would like to refute the repeated references in the document that this was the understanding. We do not believe that this employed model is the best interest of our patients nor the system. To that end, we have been meeting regularly with our AHP partners to define a path forward with the support of executive leadership of AHS. With Dr. Rachel Baden, the Chair of Internal Medicine, and Dr. Barry Simon, the Chair of ER, we've been working to this end, and we are committed to a future state of a fully aligned, transparent, um, partnership with good communication and full unification to serve the needs of the patient and the medical system. Rachel and I were actually um, this afternoon at an AHP board meeting in which Nick Pernia, AHP president, proposed this path forward. We are behind him, we see a future, and we're getting there. We have been clear in our desire and actions to work with AHP to find a mutually beneficial structure to serve the patients in Alameda Health System. And we're well on our way. A partnership model with bi-directional accountability with AHS leadership will achieve this goal. And I'm confident by the end of this contract we will be there together in a future state that will serve the patients and our population and be transformative on economy of scale and improved quality for our patients. This draft response, however, is inaccurate and is not in the best interest of our health system. It undermines the positive work of the Alignment Committee, which is on a path to create a unified, empowered, and engaged group of dedicated providers across AHS. It commits AHS to a path that is certainly not in the best interest of physician engagement, patient safety and quality, and a thriving system caring for our incredible community. Thank you. Thank you. Um, can we ask some questions? Uh, do the board members have some questions? Um, so yeah. this, this version hasn't been seen by So what reiterate the process that Mike described. We did a draft response, initial draft. We shared that draft with OCARE. Uh, we got responses back from OCARE. I then responded to the OCARE leadership, thanking them for their feedback and, and, and letting them know that their feedback would be uh, used to finalize the document. 
not to share it back with them for sign-off because this point in fact is not a response that is a OCURE uh, um, mandated uh, response. It is an AHS response to a grand jury investigation that was of AHS. Um, I dispute or disagree with the notion that uh, that feedback did not, uh, was not used to actually influence the document, and I'll tell you a couple of reasons. One, um, as Mike mentioned, uh, part of that feedback was a discovery that um, OCARE was in fact using AHS space for personal meetings, or uh, their own meetings, of which we defined uh, or decided that that was inappropriate and that we would work out a path to fix that, to address that. Mm -hmm. Secondarily, and I think the biggest piece, which Dr. Savio mentions, is that uh, OCARE pointed out that their position with respect to the MOU that we signed uh, concurrent with the uh, current OCARE contract was about a path towards a uniform or aligned medical staff. We did choose that language to be less descript because, in fact, AHS was uh, um, indicating both through AHS and AHP that the path that we saw that was consistent with our strategic plan was unification under AHP. This document does not commit us to any new path. That is, in fact, the path that we agreed to when we established AHP and when we uh, uh, finalized the strategic uh, plan. What the um, feedback allowed us to do and what we did do was the prior language said that we all agreed that this was going to be unified on the AHP. OCARE pointed out that they never agreed to that and that they never agreed to employment, so we changed the language to not only say that it wasn't that it was their intention, we said that it was our intention, which we believe is factual. And the second piece was that we didn't say it was employment, we said unification. So we changed, we used their uh, feedback to change the narrative to be more factually accurate from our perspective of what we agreed to when we established the MOU. I would like to further say, and I appreciate Dr. Savio saying it, that those conversations, as Mike iterated too, between AHP and, AH, uh, uh, and OCARE on a path forward have been going on for quite some time now and are still going on. Uh, that, that there has been a recent development in that uh, those discussions uh, that has uh, allowed us, with my support, uh, to con uh, consider a pathway that is a complete and total departure from our strategic plan. But one that I'm, I think is important for us to at least consider because it may lead to a, a less cantankerous approach to getting to what we all agree to in terms of unifi um, uh, unification of the, of the medical staff leadership. That stated, we have a really small window in which to do that. And hopefully we can get it done. Uh, there was nothing about the grand jury response that suggested that this, uh, where we are in these deliberations, should actually change AHS's response, which is to re reference the path that we are currently on, uh, or the path that we have established, until such time that we actually change that. In which case, then we can actually, we don't have to change the grand jury response, we just proceed along our path. But right now, given the timeline that we're responding to this grand jury response, uh, that is in fact, what, what we have articulated is in fact the path that your board uh, in establishing AHP and in establishing uh, the, uh, supporting the strategic plan has divine for the organization. So we don't think it's in any way inaccurate to reflect that that is uh, what we, what we uh, are doing. We agreed that it in actually agreeing to have these conversations was articulating their concerns about this and that they didn't agree to that path at this particular juncture, but we didn't take it off the table as a likely or a potential outcome, hence the discussions that were going on to even explore that prospect. So um, I, I 
I believe that what we did was a, uh, an appropriately uh, inclusive effort to allow a group for which we've had a long-standing partnership with to inform a response, not to approve a response. And so it is true that we didn't give the final draft to them, uh, but we didn't intend to do so. Um, I'm less concerned about the final draft and more concerned about the content uh, and about this particular issue of, of, of uh, mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're meeting. I mean, I, and I'm not sure how much this we could actually talk about in open session if this is a contract negotiation. But you're having good, I mean, I'm hearing from you and, and from our you know, CEO that there, there are these conversations that are happening and things are moving in a positive direction, right? So, yes. I guess the question is, can this be wordsmithed differently to appease everyone before I put my signature on it um, that I'm, and for the board? I mean, again, I'm, I'm trying to be really, you know, respectful of the process. Let me offer a comment and, 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 and uh, anyone else you'd like to hear from. This is your response to the Silver Grandeur report. We're drafting it for you. It can be changed to reflect anything you want it to. Uh, I think that one of the things that's really important here is that these conversations and discussions that are going on have been going on for a while, and they do have progress. Uh, I, I think uh, some, some signs of progress. That stated, they are not far enough along that this path is one that I think that we should be publicly articulating is one that, that is... Fair enough. Is, is, Fair uh, enough. That's fine. I, so you guys are not articulating it to me, uh, to us, right. in a way that we can understand. It, it's, it's fine. I mean, you guys know the details way more than this board is, at this point. So I'm, I'm just suggesting to you like that I... Is mean moving together or something without... Um, so right now it says alignment under EHP, which is an accurate reflection of the last decision you made on this point. And until such time that there is some other... But, but it sounds to me like we have that agreement with OpCare also that we, that we will be aligned under AHP, which is maybe not... No, 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 we don't. Okay. We don't that's why we change the language and say that that's our intention, which... Again, this response is an AHS response reflecting the decisions that AHS has made. If, and when it changes, again, this is my recommendation to you. You can do whatever you'd like. Uh, uh, but if and when that changes, and, and hopefully that will change, I would share with you my opinion is that it's just too much. It, it's really pie in the sky now. Because this plan that we're discussing, which I don't want to get too far ahead of our skis here, involves a lot more entities than even the two that have been involved in this year-plus uh, long discussion around this point. So I think it's somewhat premature to uh, not even commit to, but articulate a path that is less or more speculative than the one that we're currently on, which uh, admittedly is also speculative, but it is a, a committed path. Can, can I try a way to resolve this? I, I think um, we've asked staff to prepare a response for us. It's been reviewed in committee. Um, we didn't find anything committee that we wanted to specifically change about it. Um, knowing a little bit about the grand jury process, uh, we do need a response that's appropriate. Um, one option would be to delay, but I don't think that that is a good idea, uh, given uh, the publicness of uh, the need to respond. So is there, uh, is there any prohibition that a uh, additional party would write uh, their own response to the grand jury? I don't think so. So what I'm 
Right, because all the councils. Right, so I, maybe what I propose is that um, we approve uh, this response being um, sent in for the system, and then uh, our partners uh, consider putting a clarifying response of their own under their own uh, letterbed. I'm just, I'm just uncomfortable. Uh, the, the alternative would be for us to begin to wordsmith something our professional staff did. Well, I, and I totally understand why the, the rationale behind this and, and, the, and the focus on AHP and the intent to assure, reassure the grand jury that um, we are not being overtaken by O'Care, or, you know, that, that O'Care doesn't have some undue influence. And I think that's articulated in the letter, too, and it's um, shared that all of the O'Care department leaders and other staff work closely with the CMI, et cetera, and that's, that's clear to me, but I, um, and I, well, first let me just ask um, Dr. Simon Savio or Dr. Bowden, is it mainly the first response that's the area that you have some most concern about? The first response in the draft letter? I think we feel there's some inaccuracies in the way the MOU is represented in the letter. Um, and then the repeated references to simulating all the O-care positions into AHP. So, so, so if I could, just to, to be clear. So uh, there were, uh, on page two in the first paragraph there, the original language, this was pointed out to me you know, by the O-care folks, was the original language said the agreement was reached with the understanding that it would be the last comprehensive agreement with O-care. That has been changed to read, AHS approached the agreement with the intention that it would be the last. So it takes O-care's agreement, intent, totally out of the equation, focuses solely on what our understanding was and intention was at that time. Over on page four, under the response to the first finding, uh, there was a sentence there that said, O-care has endorsed this course of action, referring to the, you know, the course of action that was laid out from us. That sentence was taken out. The last sentence was also modified as well to make clear that, because originally it said, employment provision of these services in the term of the current agreement winds down, meaning organized unemployment with uh, AHP. We deleted the language referring to employment with AHP and again referred to contracting for leadership and professional services to a structure organized under AHP, which again was our intention and the point. Uh, as I said on paragraph three, they pointed out uh, the inaccuracy there, and I believe that those were the last point was on the last page. Uh, where, again, there was a, refer or a reference to employment with AHP, and employment was stricken, so that it was simply uh, transitioning existing providers to AHP, meaning not necessarily no, employment yeah. in some other fashion. So those were the things that were identified for us as being inaccuracies in the draft. But, but it sounds like from what, what, we, what we just heard from um, the healthcare physicians that, oh, oh, and let me clarify with you, is it, do you agree with the sentence that um, AHP and O-Care signed an MOU where the parties agreed to work together in good faith towards assimilating O-Care's providers into the framework of AHP? Is that? No. Okay, so so that's just 
that's just false. And if we, are, uh, maybe we believed that. Okay, that you're, saying, you're saying it's false because they disagree with it? Well, uh, did they, did Elkhart did at one time say that they were working towards assimilation and, and they're just now saying that they're not? That is, that is our interpretation uh, of what we, what we worked on. Okay. Yes. Okay, well, I would disagree respectfully. Um, we have an MOU on record from the year ago, and we foresee and hope this is our last contract. We hope to be in a future state with the right. providers in the AHP, and we don't, again, want to share a lot of details, but I think, um, you know, speaking with our CMO and Nick Permier, we see a common vision, and we are getting there and we're making great strides over recent months. The previous year of, of our negotiation, this has been our negotiating team, the Latin team the whole time. The members on the other side have changed in a positive way. We had, you know, uh, about three or four months were taken over fully by taking over the challenge of staffing San Leandro Hospital ER and Alameda Hospital ER. And I think right there, you see what you're getting from our group. And we are a team of all providers. I'm not talking about OCARE. I'm talking about providers within AHS. And we see a common vision and future where we can all be together and united. It is early in the discussion, but I'm very optimistic. So if I ask a question, really, the response is just our intent. It's not creating some sort of factual basis for moving forward with agreement. No, exactly. So, so I, mean, I think we'd, we'd have to go back to what was our original intent, and that'd have to be our response. Where we are in the negotiations or, or what's happened subsequent. I think an excellent point that I'm trying to articulate. There's nothing about this response that, that commits us to doing everything it is that we're, that we're reflecting is our intention at this juncture. If something about that changes, then we're not, we're not obligated to even go back and inform them. This is just a response that's yeah. temporal to reflect what it is. Can I just say, and, and I, I, I mean, I think that's very, very clear. And um, I'm, I'm on page four, and the. the the, the response, the last sentence in the response, provides that both parties have agreed under an, a, an executed MRU to regular working means to enable detailed planning that will result in a smooth transition from contracting for leadership and professional services to a structure organized under AHP. Now, is that, that's what you've already said to a certain extent, um, of care physicians, that you're working with Dr. Pernia to have some sort of AHP structure, not, not being employed or not being, um, maybe okay will be a branch of AHP, whatever it may look like, but you're working, you're, you have agreed to regular working meetings to plan for a smooth transition. Do you disagree, is that not, not true? I mean, because we are actually in the center, we're saying things that that we that a that healthcare is doing, we're saying both parties have agreed, and if that's not true, then I'm uncomfortable telling the grand jury that that is something that has been agreed to. There's lots of wordsmithing going on, but we never there was we've never expressed the intent to become part of HP. Never. We always well, this says it's structure organized under HP, and that may be. Have you ever agreed then to to be um, uh, have? If Dr. Jamal Dean says the AHP leader, have you agreed to be under Dr. Jamal Dean in his role at AHP? 
you've always agreed to be under Dr. Javad. Right, that's so that's a separate maybe, structure. That's right. a separate structure, not an employment structure. That's our medical right. staff structure. I think the, the, the sentence that I'd like to uh, bring to your attention is the one that says, however, AHS leadership has articulated and is continuing to pursue a plan to transition the services currently provided by OCARE under contract, including physician leader, leadership positions to HP employed providers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on paragraph four, under AHS response uh, to findings uh, 18.18-27. 18 page, on page five. Thank you. Sorry, you're including physician leadership positions to HP employee providers at or around the time the current contract expires in 2020. Both parties have agreed, it says, under an executed memorandum of understanding to regular working meetings to enable detailed planning that will result in a smooth transition from contracting for leadership and professional services to structure organized under AHP. Okay. And I can confidently tell you that we never agreed to that. We did agree to, to a process by where we become fully aligned and unified, and we are wholeheartedly committed to that, but this does not represent what we agreed to. Well, you know, actually, again, I, I, I guess I would just sort of go from the standpoint of I, uh, yeah, because the, what the sentence says is both parties are agreed under an executive uh, to regular working meetings to enable detailed planning. That's the agreement that's being set forth. Nothing more, nothing less. So, you know, I, I, I again, I, it's not entirely clear. It, it, it clearly misrepresents the spirit of all these discussions. We, we clearly did not have ever express an agreement that we'd be moving into HP, that we weren't moving into HP, and all the wordsmithing and twisting just sounds like it really destroys the spirit of all the discussions and agreements that we've worked on. Can I, can I just say this? All right, so, when we executed the contract with OCARE, one of the things that we did, which was also a point of contention, but we moved forward with it, was we moved the contract from AHS to AHP, which was a part of the, the continuation of our plan. Our plan was to move all of our provider engagement under AHP, whether it is employed or contracted. Mm -hmm. That was a point of contention for OCARE. We pressed forward, they agreed, it is there. The second part of this was that this was the last contract and we needed to come up with a plan to figure out how we were going to align. And it is in fact the case that when we first started this, our goal was to move all of the employment under AHP, but that was not realistic at the time. And so we acquiesced on that and said, no, we, we can't do that. But going forward, we're going to come up with a plan, and we're going to have both groups agree to work through this process to come up with a plan for unification, not under AHS, under AHP. And that's all this says. This does not say, it used to say employment, it no longer says employment. But it does say employed providers. It says to AHP employed providers. So. Wait, I'm sorry, where, where are you? Just the second list. Um, sentence. Same paragraph. Same. It says. AHS leadership is continuing to pursue a plan to transition all the services currently provided by OCARE to employee providers when the current agreement expires. Correct. So the plan is that we are trying to move towards employment, right? But we're not committed to that in the sense that, as I mentioned earlier, 
they presented a plan that has a different uh, potential that we're, we're, we're not even like, like a third of the way into exploring further. This was the plan that we put forward and this is a plan that we're continuing to pursue until such time that we change that. So we can add another sentence that says, in addition to this, we're having some ongoing discussions about alternative models if you want to do something like that. But I think, again, I just well, I, don't, I just don't think that that's necessary because they're not asking us. The grand jury isn't saying that you have to have employed physicians. So why do we even have to go? They do actually. They did, they did yeah. actually. They're asking for They're suggesting that, that, that part there's of a lack of alignment. Correct, and they actually suggested that we move towards an employment model. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Bain, one moment. I, I mean, I'm more concerned about the relationship between AHS, AHP, and our physicians at Oakcare than I am the grand jury. No offense to any grand jury members who might be listening in. You know, and so I just, I would hate for our response to derail what sounds like a challenging yet evolving process, right? I, and it, yeah. And, trusty degrees with all we I don't think anything about this response in and of itself has to do that. I think this response is a response that, that is geared at responding to a, a, a context of an investigation that was done that pointed out some concerns from the public in the body of the civil grand jury. But there's nothing about that that should be well or, or, or necessarily has to be well an articulated position on my behalf and that of the rest of the team to explore this prospect that really is a, 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 a pile in the sky opportunity that quite honestly we're running out of time on. So I would love for it to work if it can work and if it pencils out and everything works well for both entities. But point in fact, our obligation, or I should say my obligation as an employee of yours, is to make sure this system works well and to make sure that this system has the types of opportunities that it has or, or needs to be able to have a fair negotiating position and a reasonable set of options. And we don't have that if we let this thing play out uh, too long without actually taking affirmative action to deal with the fact that we're going to run out of time. This is a really significant body of provider work and leadership. And as the report pointed out, and I would say as this process has pointed out, it has a lot of underlying issues that we need to address. And trying to, I dare say, trying to create a response that, that placates everybody it, without recognizing that there are some real challenges here, right. actually undermines, in my perspective, the process of actually getting to some real fundamental change here. And I applaud OCARE for actually uh, uh, getting to a point where they're willing to consider some other opportunities. And I should say I applaud AHP and our team for the same thing. There's nothing about this that has to change that. If you took out the word employed, just take out the word employed and just put age. How does this search as well? I want to add, the, uh, in addition, we're exploring other options. So maybe one or the other, but take out the... If you take out employed, it doesn't give you the option to look at other relationships this, to bring providers under the age. And this response is just to the grand jury. It's not changing the MOU. It's not... It's not so here's what I say. I'll get back to This is your response. I'm, I'm, I'm only, as so your employee, offering, offering a position that you are going to No, I want everyone to either like this thing or be equally pissed off about it, because usually we do our best work when everyone's a little bit unhappy. Um, and I, I just don't want the grand jury response 
to undermine the process that you guys have done, or, or to, to push it in one direction or another. And so, I, I, everyone seems a little frustrated, and, sure. and I get it. Sure. And this board has supported the administration's desire to, I mean, we, we believe in the line, I mean, I was here on the board when we created AHP, and it, it started in fits and starts, and sure. you guys have done everything you can to make it work. Sure. And I think you've made great progress in the last year, far more than we made in the prior four, whatever it was. So, you know, so this is not, you know, we're not trying to stump that, but actually we're trying to avoid derailing it. Um, and if taking out the word employed uh, makes our partners who we're negotiating with happier, or if we add the sentence that, that Trustee Jensen mentioned, then, then, then why not do it? You know, but if it really underlines our position at the negotiating table, I, I, it's just the grand jury report, so I don't know that it does that. So that's... But I would also, uh, you know, with regard to this response, I, I wonder, and as you pointed out, Debecchia and Mike as well, and, and we've heard from, from Oka, I mean, there is ongoing... Uh, it's briefly touched on in, in the response, but... Oh, when you say that OCA has a, a, a large role at Highland, but why don't you say anything else in the response about the other sites and about other employed physicians and about other um, types of, uh, uh, how many AHP, how AHP has grown and how AHP is providing care elsewhere, instead of just focusing, because the, the, the actual finding is saying, oh, OCA is this big monster that's not allowing Allowing effective care, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but and we're all we're saying is, well, we're working on health care. Why don't we say something about what we're doing with AHP to in other areas to um, where we have complete alignment of leadership and staff, and, and why this is a, is a incorrect assumption that they're making. Why do we have to focus on health care and say, well, we're working with health care to join the in the program. We, we focused on OCARE because that, that was the subject of the, the, the we focused on OCARE as, as a contract that they wanted to. Well, right, but couldn't we say anything else about, about what? We can say whatever you'd like to say, honestly. Right. And I'm not well, asking that to be facetious, but I'm saying, yeah. you know, we were just, we drafted a response for you that was just uh, Well, they're also criticizing us. They're saying that the, that the strategic director of the Health System is, OCARE is not allowing, according to, to this sentence in the response, that our service to the county residents is hampered by the lack of alignment between medical leadership and staff and the strategic direction of a of Alameda Health System. So it sounds to me like like they're suggesting that it's we're not providing great care because somehow we aren't okay and AHS aren't aligned. And I would just suggest that there might be more discussion in this response about where we that doesn't have everything to do with healthcare, how the medical leadership and staff in the strategic direction of Alameda Health System is providing effective care to the residents of Alameda County due to other clinical and physician leadership. So I, I, I think, if I, 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 I think while we are doing that, it's a diversion from what they want to hear about. I mean, I, I, I think it really comes down to this more singular um, I mean, I agree with you. Sure, no, it, it's, it's, it's a question. I'm not yet. Well, if this were a press release, but it's a, it's a response to the grand jury, and it's just about the oak care contract. That was the criticism, and that was what this is really about. Um, you had something to say. I just want to say that we 
feel we are fully aligned with AHS leadership. And in the true spirit of partnership, which is all we want in this, we just wanted to be fully transparent about our response to this draft. Um, and obviously you will do what you feel is right, but um, we just wanted it to be factual and really represent the true spirit of where we are as a medical staff mm -hmm. um, and where we are within OCAR. I think it's really important that we comply with a response from professional that's been prepared by professional staff with the appropriate amount of legal training uh, to this grand jury determination. Um, the other issues seem to me um, very significant and ongoing, and we, it seems like leadership is engaged with those issues. Um, I hope um, Okay, okay, friends, partners understand the fact that we're confused suggests that we really care <laughs> about preserving the relationship. Because we have an obligation to respond to an official grand jury report. Four days. Four days. I think we should, we should do, do that with uh, the document that has been presented to us. Okay. Is that a motion? I would move. Is there a second? I'll second. All right. All in favor? Aye. Aye. No. Um, do you, okay, before we, okay, <laughs> do you have a, a friendly amendment? I, I feel that we have to be as accurate as possible. In, uh, we have in the previous sentence, I'm still focusing on that page four, where it says the AHS leadership has articulated continuing to pursue a plan to transition. So we are in that sense that we are conveying our, um, our goal from the AHS perspective what we are. I, but if the memorandum of understanding does not state that both parties have like, agreed on the memorandum of understanding um, for that, I feel like literally take out the employer, but everything else remains the same. Because then that would still be serve the uh, you know, it, it, would, it would preserve the sentiment that AHS is really, really committed to making sure there's an alignment and there's some form of structure in the movie causing, causing, um, the word void from that paragraph. So can we get to General Counsel weigh in on the impact of that? Again, as the CEO said, you know, whatever changes you want to make, you just let us know and we will make it. Is there any right objection to taking that out? No, as a matter of fact, I was the one that suggested that. I moved, so I would accept that as a friendly. So, but if we could just be clear you know, exactly where it is that you're talking about, so yeah. that would be good. It's in the second paragraph on page four. Right. It just says to AHP employee yes. providers. It would just say AHP providers. Okay. Just delete the word employee. Okay. Done. So we have a motion and a second. Yes. Uh, yes. With the amendment. Right. <laughs> so I guess we're, I'll move again. Yeah. With the amendment. All right. All in favor? Aye. 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 Okay. Very seconded by the way. 
Yes. Okay, I heard that. I'm sorry, we trust you. I'm not. Okay, so it, the motion passes. And I just hope that, again, everyone understands in this room that the reason we're spending this much time on it is because we really do value this relationship and we really do value the evolution of this moving forward. We really want to see this alignment under AHP. Um, by and I would just add to that and, and say um, I, I, I appreciate that Oak Care immediately responded and provided the board with some information about the um, uh, about the grand jury report and, and the conclusions and um, I would have appreciated more than immediate um, two or three day turnaround to review this matter and get my information. Thank you for your deliberation and thoughtfulness and also for the attention to relationship. And I do feel it's more than a pie in the sky. We are going to get there. I want to leave this on a positive note. We are going to get there. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. I think we're on the item two, which hopefully will go quickly. Approval of our revised travel policy. No, it's actually not. Um, I'll, I'll, but do we need a, a, a comfortable so I would move that we approve the travel. Thank you. Do I get a second? I'll second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Great. <laughs> Committee reports, uh, information reports. That's it, right? Are we moving to closed session or did I miss anything? Nope. Okay. All right, so we are adjourning the closed session. Um, welcome back, Doctor. Okay.